Hello and welcome to Unofficial Art Therapy with Dr Liz and Coombsy. I'm Dr Liz, Coombsy will be on in a minute. This week we just fangirl, fanboy out to Reuben Kay. We do because we love him for so many reasons. Um, but it's not just about Reuben, it's about music theatre, it's about the risks that love brings sometimes, um, which sounds a bit weird but... We hope you love it too. Um, we enjoyed ourselves and had a very nice time. We adore you, Ruben, you gorgeous, gorgeous person. Um, we are on unceded Aboriginal land and we pay our respects to elders past and present. And we also remind you that this is not official medical advice. So if there's anything you need, please do ask. Thanks again for being with us and take good care. Bye. Alan, how are you? Better than yesterday. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's at, good. at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, take the wins where we are, I guess. Stay positive. Uh, <laughs> or have a whinge. I don't care. Get it. Have a big yeah. fat whinge if you want to. That's fine by me. Yeah, no, all good. It was better than last night. Let's put it that way so far. So. Oh, okay. Okay. But um, the winds of change can sweep rather quickly, as we know. But let's uh, stay positive and hope. Yeah, yeah. No, well, it's we... going to be a better day. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. Are you? Are you? Uh, you, you sitting comfortably? <laughs> I'm stumped up beautifully. Got my water next to me. Got my blanket on. Beautiful. It uh, was pretty cold here apparently outside. It's about three degrees at the moment. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it was supposed to be one at uh, about seven o'clock this morning. So. Wow. I'll, I'll check when she then gets home from work and see whether it was or not. <laughs> well, we've got an actual winter. That makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, in here it's like the heat is set to 20 degrees all the time. So, <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah, but that certainly when you walk outside, you're like, shingos, that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But fresh cold air is good for you, apparently. So I've heard that they used to put babies out in it. And they still do, actually. I was surprised in Norway. I went to Norway years ago to visit a friend and it was oh, it was literally minus you know snow yeah. and everything and the kids are outside playing in it having a lovely time yeah yeah i reckon it's good for the lungs it strengthens them and yeah right yeah right uh, so yep yeah, all sweet oh good good hey should we should we start by we promised last time we wanted to do a big rave about reuben can we do that yeah yeah absolutely oh have you heard the new podcast it no. only came out last <laughs> night no, and I haven't got to it yet. We'll do that at uh, some stage, probably, what's today? What day is it? It's Thursday. Thursday. I didn't get <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I know what days are. I'll get, I'll get to it one of these days. In the next <laughs> couple well, of days. It's delightful as well. Can you tell me how you, how you first got to, how you heard of Ruben? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd never heard of him, obviously, before. Um, we got, Adam Hills and myself got invited to... The Adelaide Cabaret Festival to do Clown Heart. Mm. Uh, it was in uh, must have been 2015, I'd say, from memory, because we we'd done it here in Melbourne at the Comedy Festival, the Athenaeum, mm. and um, so Barry Humphrey was in charge of it then, and he'd seen Clown Heart, and he thought, 
it would be great for Adelaide. And Hilsey was like, oh, it's not really a cabaret show. But then he thought, well, the end of it might be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, it was a massive, wow, go to Adelaide to do Clown Heart. Um, and I, I think we were Saturday night. Hey, I think it was Saturday night at the festival centre. And on the Friday night, they had a showcase of um of performers and i was just sitting there and they introduced ruben k and he started singing and i was like my goodness this like can really knock out a number yeah his voice just really got me and then he was very flamboyant and very funny uh, but his vocal chops were just i was just amazed with this bloke i just thought geez so I just decided to start following him on the socials, doing that. And then, lo and behold, the next Melbourne Comedy Festival, uh, so that this was uh, nine months later, in 2016, I'd been to see some show and I'm walking across the street and there was Ruben walking across. <laughs> and I just went, oh my gosh, Ruben Kay. And he stopped and he and came to the pavement. He goes, you know me? <laughs> I said, well, I saw you at the Adelaide festival centre last year at the cabaret and then he's like, oh fabulous and just had a chat took a couple of photos and that was it mm. and then I thought well I'll just keep following him and then we done a show and I went to see the show and, and he oh hello again and and then the next time he performed I went to see him there and then um, he, he he's very good friends with uh, Gillian Cosgrove and Michelle Brazier and I'm friends with Michelle and Gillian. So the circle sort of started to form. And in one of Ruben's shows, he always says, if you play that piece from the Celine Dion song, um, um, oh, this always happens to me. I can't think of songs when I need them. Um, you know, her big one. Um, My Heart Will Go On, uh, the Titanic one. No, another one. <laughs> the other one. She's had another one? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, um, there were nights when that's it. There were nights when the wind was so cold. Right. He said, "You can just sing that and walk away. It's so anthemic that it will make everything seem better." There were nights when. Oh. So I, I thought that's so great. Anyway, one morning, two thousand eighteen, I'm guessing, seventeen, probably. Mm. I get a video message from Gillian Cosgrove. She's in Edinburgh. Did Hockenzie? I'm in Edinburgh. Um, just so a friends would say hello. Then all of a sudden, they all started singing. There were nights when the wind was up. And there was Gillian, there was Reuben, and there was Michelle Brazier, and Shannon Whitelock, who was Reuben's pianist, was playing. Oh. At this little sublet they had in Edinburgh, and they sent it to me, and I was like, jeez. And then good old Gillian again done it, yeah. where she got a heap of theatre people to wish me a happy birthday. Mm. people she knew that I liked and Ruben was on that list and he'd done a, a private message which was just so funny and typical Ruben Ruben K you know and um, so yeah and then we just kept messaging on socials and got to know each other that way and then um, a show he'd done at the Chapel off Chapel um, I went with my good old mate Jono mm. and um he, he does a song called Sailor Boy. Yeah. 
Did he do it in his dressing show? Yeah. Oh, I saw it. He did it at the basement, but he didn't do it in the butcher's back. At the basement, right? And did yeah. he wander up into the crowd? Oh, yes, and... he did. Oh, yes, he did. Yeah, well, prior to that show, we moved into our seats, and sitting right in front of us was Christian Levercombe, who is an absolute star in world theatre. He has played the part of Riff Raff over a thousand times in Australia, UK, everywhere. He's brilliant. I love Christian. One of my favourite humans and and theater performers on the planet just extraordinary talent anyway i went hello mate and he turned oh g'day how you going blah 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 and i said um does reuben know you're here and he said yep and i said well you're gone are you? he goes yep i know <laughs> sailor boy i went yeah <laughs> you're gonna be reuben's target so anyway um sailor boy comes on and reuben comes wandering up um comes into our while walks past me and uh, walks past jono who was on the end, walked past me, stood right in front of me and then tapped Christian on the shoulder. And then Christian had this wry look on his face as he slowly turned around and Ruben starts to sing. And then all of a sudden he just put his hand on Christian's head and sort of turned it away and then just turned to me. Yeah. Uh, and then he sat on my lap, straddled me. <laughs> Um, and then he stood up and um, he's, uh, yep, I was very close to Ruben then. <laughs> <laughs> and then his face was, our noses were touching as he was singing. And I, I still think that's an amazing thing to do, to, to be so close to someone and sing and not lose a note and not, you know, laugh or whatever. Incredible. You probably saw the fear on my face, you know. <laughs> and he normally has a drink in his hand and makes someone drink, but he knows that he knew I did drink alcohol. So he just had the drink and waved it past me. I thought... Gee, you know, to even remember that at that point in time. Mm. It was something he always does, you know. And then I was sort of looking up, sort of thinking, oh, no. And I think I looked at Jono sideways and goes, look at me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and um, done that. And um, when we walked out, he always stays to greet his audience. And uh, I got out there and I, he, got, he hugged me and said, I'm, I'm sorry, but I... I normally, I, I just wanted to give you a story. Uh. <laughs> he said, I thought it'd be a great story for you. It was a great moment for us as friends. He said, no, I know you, you'll treat it like that. I said, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he said, and um, it's a good story for you to tell anyway, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a great story to tell. <laughs> and our friendship just seems to have grown and grown and grown and grown since. And um, obviously the pandemic, ripped things apart for a few years and then um i missed his show the, the when it sort of came after the pandemic mm. i was just uh, too crook i bought tickets for three shows and missed all three mm. and then the following um i think the year after the pandemic there were shows being made at the malthouse theater mm -hmm. and dear friend damien cosgriff an absolute absolute gentleman jillian's dad he sent me a message saying, what are you doing tonight? I was like, oh, nothing. He said, good, get dressed. I'll come and pick you up. I'll take you in. Michelle Brazzi is doing her show there. Mm. And I went, oh, mate, that's such a long drive from where I am. You? He goes, I don't care. I'll pick you up. And I was so excited. And, and anyway, we're walking to Malthouse in the big queue. And he goes, you just jump at the end of the queue. I'm just going to go and grab a drink or whatever. As I got to the end of the queue, I'm looking. I thought, oh, my gosh, Reuben. And Reuben turned around. Yeah. And he was like, Coomzy. And he gave me this hug that I now put in my top five hugs ever. Wow. It was just 
it, it was, I'm pleased to see you. I'm happy you're here. Uh, and he was, he was Ruben, not as he is to perform. He had no, none of his makeup on or anything. And he's a strikingly good looking man. True. <laughs> and, and I was chatting away to Ruben and just, it was just absolutely wonderful. It was just wonderful. And I had one of my old school friends, um, I didn't know I was going to be there. She's like, Coomsey. So she came up with a chat and then I introduced her to Ruben and whatnot. And uh, I'll tip her in anyway. Mm. Um, Ruben went to get a drink or something, whatever. And she came, she goes, I'll tell you what, <laughs> he is one extraordinarily handsome man. Yeah. She said, I'd take him over there and jump his bones in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed and I said, Helen, darling, yeah, you don't stand a chance. She said, what, because I'm nearly 60? I went, oh, no, it's got nothing to do with He's it. He's not buying yeah. what you're selling, honey. I know, I know. <laughs> and and then she said, oh, I know, I know, I couldn't care less. <laughs> I said, I think he might. <laughs> and um, again, that hug, I, when I, I got home, I remember messaging the day after, going, I was so glad to see Michelle because she's one of my favourites. Mm. Cabaret performance, she's just outstanding. She's funny. She's magnificent vocalist and got an incredible family story to deal with illnesses. Just horrific what their family's been through and how they've just fought through death, death, almost death. Yeah, and for her to to still be able to do what she does, and she's just amazing. So I was so happy to see Michelle because I hadn't seen her for three or four years because of the pandemic. Mm. So when I walked out and saw her, Oh, it was magic to, to see her again and um, it was just incredible to see Ruben because I'd so disappointed I'd missed seeing his show for you know four years or what it was mm. and that hug just meant a lot and I said that to him I messaged him and say it just felt like you were really pleased to see me he said of course I am mm-hmm. I, I, I love seeing you out you know and it was great so he um, that's where it all started and you know, jumping down the YouTube hole and looking at all his stuff and just an extraordinarily talented man. And he's a great champion for his causes. Mm. Um, he does some wonderful stuff with kids. Uh, the a UK feature about kids with drag queens and that. Yeah. That's so funny and so cool. And it's great when you're talking with these kids and they're like, I love you how you're dressed up and I love your eyelashes and, mm. you know, um, it's wonderful. He's... He's a genuinely good bloke, and um, I'm very pleased to say we're friends. Yeah, yeah he's. A, I remember because he was doing a Spicks and Specs in the reunion, you know, and I remember yep, that's when correct. I first saw him, and you messaged me and said, My mate Ruben's on. You have, because I hadn't heard of him. So I've been out mm. of seeing comedy for live just because of the kids and stuff, you know, yep. um, and so I hadn't seen him. I didn't know, I didn't know him at all. And I remember watching him then, and the same thing. You look at him, <laughs> gosh, he's a beautiful looking person isn't he he kind of he reminds is. me he reminds me of john cameron mitchell you know the guy that was in that did hedwig the original hedwig oh oh don't why oh i love that soundtrack i wish they'd bring that back as a theater oh, play i love we, i love sugar daddy oh well did you see iota do it <laughs> did iota come down to melbourne to do it 
the Australian no, version. <gasps> so I no, own it. I, oh, I didn't see that. That's why I'm wishing it would oh, be reborn I've, and come back. I've got a CD of him doing it somewhere because they did an Australian production and Iota was Hedwig and he was, I mean, he's another, he's a, he's a beautiful, beautiful performer and a, he's, he's a friend of mine and I adore him. Oh, okay. But he, um, yeah, so he, it, those kind of people that you look and you just think, oh my goodness, you are just so striking. And you're right, he was so kind of, Different but hilarious, so so funny. And then, oh, when, yeah. Very and then when he was coming up, I bought I bought the tickets just recently, and I saw him twice in a month. <laughs> yeah. I, I bought the tickets for the comedy festival, and then it was the show that was cancelled, put yep. on again. And in between, I'd also got the tickets. He was doing a a small show at the basement, which was the one that we talked about. And I remember you'd yep. said, you know, I want a picture of you two together. And I have yeah, to I did. I. Yep. Oh, I have to tell you this, Coombsy, because my, my friend okay. and I, Danielle, we went, and it was late. Like, it's a late show. Like, I'm an old lady <laughs> yeah, these days. He does I'm, that. Yeah, I, I know. Well, I mean, it I, kills was, me. like, I was never a, a, a late-night person ever, really, and since yep. the kids, I'm certainly not. And he's not starting yep. till 10.30. Yeah, and, I know. And, it's like, put a matinee on route for I know, I know. Well, me, me and Dee, uh, we're both old ladies, and I'm like, are we going to do this? And my, my husband, Patrick, sitting there going, you're going to be asleep. You'd normally be asleep for two hours by now. What are you doing? I'm like, oh, give it a go we'll give it a go so we uh, went out and it's in the middle of vivid it was busy blah 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 we went and had nice dinner whatever and we thought we'll just try and we get in downstairs and because we're the we're the good girls we're lined up thinking you've got to be there at 10 he's going to be on at 10 well he's not on till at least an hour afterwards so we even <laughs> sat down we got ourselves our coke we're thinking a little a little coca-cola thinking we'll be good girls anyway we <laughs> saw him come past and i just and he was zipping in and zipping out and he was, again, huge, tall, the heels, the everything, oh, yeah. just thinking, oh, my goodness. And he had no idea at this point. Every time he'd walk past, he'd just give me this big smile. And I'd think, oh, isn't that nice, <laughs> you know? And he was talking to some other people. And I'd said to Dee, oh, look, Coombsy really wants a picture. And yes, I, mean, I did. <laughs> but I was also so nervous because I thought, look, he's at work and I don't want to break his vibe. And look at him, he's huge, he's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. <laughs> So we sat, we watched the show, we loved every second of it. And when it was finished, he came out, as he does, just to be near the crowd. And I just thought, yep. I've just got to give it just a little go. And so I went up to him. And again, I'm five foot one, right? He's <laughs> seven foot whatever he is with his beautiful yeah, heels on. His heels on. Yeah. That's right. So I went up and I said, oh, excuse me. I know that you've just finished and you must be exhausted, but I'm a friend of Coombsy's and... I promised him I'd try and get a picture with you. And he yeah. gave me, he goes, of course, gives me a hug. And then we go to take the picture. Mm. He spins me around. He goes, no, no, it's better in this light. <laughs> so to spin around to get the, the house lights on us properly. Uh. And that picture, because I've got my glasses on and it's dark anyway, you know, he's just, but he, this big smile, this big hug and so much makeup. I end up with the makeup on my glasses. I should send you the picture of the makeup on my glasses. But he couldn't have been nicer. And I just said, I'm, thank yeah. you so much. I said, I love it. And because he talked too at that point about the cancellation and everything, and in this at the moment too, yep. apart from being hilarious, he's also talking a lot about death threats and stuff that he's getting and all of this stuff. And yeah, I said to him, just unbelievable. Oh, that's right. I said, Are you all right? He goes, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just thought, I just have to check in, in with you, you know, well, that, because well, he that was nice. He, well, but also, I mean, somebody's talking about the fact he's getting death threats today. You know, on the day, and then he's coming out, you know, on um, stage. And then when he did the other Sydney show, the one that had been cancelled, 
I have never seen so much security in my life, Coonsie. Like, honestly, it was the Enmore Theatre um, here in Sydney. So all the way down Enmore Road, you could see coppers before we get there. As Jeez. we're lined up, everybody's metal detected to get in. All your bags are checked. There's coppers inside, like security inside and everything. And you could see them wandering around as the show's going on. And then when it was finished, we didn't, because I was going to hang around, so I just don't want to, I don't know if it, what if he's even going to hang around, but I don't want to hang around. Yeah. And as he finished yeah. up, because he talks a bit about it in the show, and he said, you know, I wasn't sure if today was going to happen, and I wasn't sure if I was writing a living will, and what, like, you know, making a joke about yeah. it. But I'm yeah. just thinking, how can, I mean, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but no God I believe in thinks that somebody like Ruben is a threat to them. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> like, yeah. absolutely yeah. not. There's nothing yeah. that he could yeah. say that would ever threaten, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't, yep. I, I don't understand. And the way that he, I mean, he's got nothing but love, really. You know, he's wicked. Yeah. Of course he's wicked. But that's, yeah, but... that's life. Like, life is wickedness and naughtiness and playfulness and all that stuff. I just, I was so shocked by it. But also an incredible show. Like, you just, how... Yeah. Hell with laughter, you know. I, I think that's a really good description of you, of him, what you just said then, and I, I'm going to message him too. I'm going to tell him. Yeah. That I think he is built on love. Oh, yes. No question. And I think what's so crazy too, and you might have seen, I'm sure you would have seen when he did Q&A um, yep. a little while after that, and, you know, that's gone viral a bit too, but where he just was talking about, you know, the hate that gets thrown at him, the hate that gets thrown at trans people, at queer people, at people that are different, and the way he frames it to say, it's not just at me, it's at everybody. If this is what's happening in our society, if it happens to one of us, it happens to all of us. And yeah, I, mean, I just can't fathom that. I really can't. I just think, I mean, oh, it grinds me. And I I just think of these these people who are, you know, struggling with with their identities and all that. To in the fact that you know, making a public that's so unfair. I really fair. think that is so unfair on them. Imagine ten years ago when we weren't as open with all the, and I thought every day there'd be people struggling and worried about yeah. showing a certain side of them that that's real. And I'm like, I, that would be so hard to live with and so unfair and so unjust. And I'm fair. glad that we're starting to at least make it more you know, prevalent in society and we should understand more. If, you know, that's one of the things, if you're not going through it, you don't really know, so keep your trap closed totally. and listen to those that are and have respect and empathy for them and show them love. And that's anything. That could be someone who's dealing with depression, someone who's dealing with mental health issues, someone who's dealing with health issues, Someone's dealing with marriage situation or family. Throw everything in. Yeah. You know, if you're not going through it, just don't try to be the smart aleck about all this and just pull your head in. Oh, yeah. geez, that grinds my bones, especially because I know people in, in these situations and I'm thinking, I'd hate to think my friends are getting hate mail from lunatics. Yeah. That's you right. know, I've only ever received a couple and it was just such a shock and... And like, what the, really? you know? And I said I've received a couple for for my Naked like, Tuesday photos, mm. and it was just a huge shock because generally, well, that you know, most of the time it's been ninety nine point nine nine percent support, yeah. 
yeah. and understanding. Yeah. But, you know, someone decided that didn't like the photos, decided would tell me and decided to say you're a disgrace to your family, you're a disgrace to this, you're a shame, you know, I hope the cancer gets you sooner than later. Jesus Christ. And and then, of course, you know, deleted their profile thing so I couldn't even find out who it was. And, yeah. And then I'd, I actually read the message probably twice and then deleted it and think, yeah, no thanks, yeah. you're not going to win. It's hard, isn't it? Because, I mean, I've had I've had some hate mail for writing about things relating to gender and just, and, you know, I'm a cis straight woman, so writing about things, of all things, Coombsy, yeah. silly, silly things like when they made, when they when they put Jodie Whittaker in to play the Doctor on Doctor Who, I got mail about that. And another thing I got mail about, and it was quite, Jeez. this one this one was a threat, was of all things before one election, not long after I got married, I got mm. an, an email, a, a letter, sorry, from the local whatever, whatever, and they'd, they'd called me Mrs. and they'd used my husband's name. And um, I'd written a thing for the ABC just saying, hey, you know, I don't mind being spammed, but maybe you might even just want to get my name right. And it's not that <laughs> difficult because on the le- – I mean, if you're just ripping it off the electoral roll, which I assume you are, my name is mm. right on the electoral roll. So I don't know how you've assumed that, you know, because well, I live with them. Like, I just don't know how they came to that assumption. And it yeah. was just saying, you know, this is a bit weird because you've actually invented a person. You know, <laughs> that person doesn't yeah. exist. I got this – Again, this male that was like, you should be ashamed and you should be lucky to have a husband and you should be lucky that your husband, you should have his name and you bring distress to him and blah, blah, and all this stuff. And you sort of think, do you ignore it? Do you not ignore it? Do you reply? Do you not reply? You know, I've had students pull me up on an apparent feminist agenda too. And I mean, this is is tiny stuff compared to what you must feel what, Rupert must feel, Reuben must feel, you know, Rupert, oh my goodness. Sorry, Reuben, 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 not Reuben. Um, but, you know, it's incredible, isn't it, that people just, I wonder what motivates them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, where does it come from, you know? And I read this thing particularly from this guy who'd gone off on one, apparently on my husband's behalf. And all I could think was, somebody's really hurt you. Somebody must yeah. have really hurt you. And yeah. you, rather than addressing that, for whatever reason, you think by trying to put me in my place, you will yeah. somehow, ri- yeah, it'll ri- right yeah. the world somehow. But it's yeah. really hard, isn't it? Because I just think, yeah, what what do these people have to gain, you know? Like, and, and then what you said with Ruben, facing all that, yet still deliver an incredible show. Yeah, yeah. So that, that shows you the strength of Ruben. Yes. But Under all... adversity to do what he does and yeah. do it well. Yeah. I mean, and still be having these thoughts in his mind and going to bed that night. Oh. You know, could he have slept? Well, Jeez, I'd love to. Oh, maybe we should get him on now. Oh yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to be, I'd, I'd have to be hosed down. But yes, and also I wonder what, how was he? Because I was watching the crowd, thinking, you know, what? Who's mm. in this crowd? What's going on? Imagine what he was thinking. You know, oh, I can't, I can't even fathom no. what he'd be going through. But again, like. How could you sing a song, you know, if you're looking around the audience thinking, you know, if one of you aren't in here for wrong reasons here, right. and, but still sing and not miss a beat because professional, aren't you? you know? Yeah. And I mean, she I guess, wouldn't it? And I mean, I, I imagine, we're putting words in his mouth now, but I imagine there might have been part of a, you know, success is the best revenge type thing, you know? <laughs> well, that's the thing, show them, you know, 
show them who you are and what I got and you know how strong I am. Yeah. And the hope is they just go away. Yeah, but it's also I don't know if they will, but yeah, but it's the burden. I mean, if nothing else, I I, I couldn't get out of my head for better for worse. I'm thinking, how much must this have cost emotionally? Oh yeah. Physically. You know, yep. financially. You know, I just that you're right. It's the un. It's it's unfair, isn't it? That other people can just get on yep. and do a show, turn up. He probably yeah, yeah, couldn't have gone out with his mates beforehand. He couldn't have gone and had a curry or done whatever he might have liked to have done. He'd have to be yeah. so you know so mindful. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and then the relationship with the venue. You know, like he made a big point of thanking the venue and everything. Everything. You know, I mean, okay. all all of that kind of stuff. I just think you're right. It's just not fair, is it? Nope, it's yeah. not fair, it's not reasonable, I don't understand it. It just no. makes absolutely no sense. And then, you know, he's off all around the world doing shows in Munich and London and it's just credit to him how he continues to do what he does and spread, you know, his positive message, which yeah. is, you know. Yeah. And he'll keep doing it. They won't beat him. There's yeah. no chance they'll beat him. He will just get stronger and stronger. He'll gain more of a public profile and he will just, show them how strong Ruben K is. Yeah. Would you feel, though, how would you feel, though, if he cancelled for a bit? Like, if he just said, I, I don't want to do this for a while, would you... What totally would you... understand him. Yeah. Would, would back him in a billion percent. Yeah, me too. Because I couldn't understand what sort of pressure that would put you under that, you know, you need to take a break just to, you know, recharge the batteries. I was mm. saying how much of a physical toll it would have taken on him and emotionally. Yeah. Uh, reach, recharge your batteries and go again, which is not a bad idea sometimes, just to take a month or two out of whatever you're doing, just to take a deep breath mm. and come back, and it may give him clearer air to think, okay, how am I going to you know, tackle this? Yeah. Um, or he may just keep working and just say, well, that's how I'm going to tackle it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad you asked the question, how are you? I'm sure his close friends have done that. Mm. But it's still nice to have other people say, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah. It really is nice to get a how you doing message. As long as that message is aimed at you and not, you know, which I know sometimes you get a message, people go, oh, how you doing? You go, not bad, how are you? And then their response is five pages long. Yeah. You're thinking, oh, you just wanted me to ask how you were because you wanted to get stuff. Or you weren't really concerned about me. You were just hoping to get me concerned about you, which yeah. I can't stand when that happens. I'm like, just be upfront. If you just got an issue, you say, I just need to talk to someone, mate. You know, this is what's going on. Great. But don't just, you know, how are you to, to get it the other way? Yeah. If you're genuinely concerned about not just me, but someone else, be genuinely concerned about them. Yeah. But if you are having problems, that's great. Raise it with people to get them to talk, to help. Um, so that's the okay how are you message has got to be the important one too yeah it's hard isn't it because i guess do you reckon people are still not real good at saying oh, oh yeah i just need to tell you something or i need you to listen to me or you know yeah look yeah yeah but i i give credit to people who do who do that when it's something it's difficult for them to talk about yeah and they then say look i need to not not in message physically in front of you say or on the phone, say, hey, I need to talk to you about something that's going on in my life. Mm. Now, I've had two people do that recently in different circumstances. Not recently, from late last year, mm. both of them. Uh, one was a mate who um, 
was so happy when he called. Like I could really hear the happiness in his voice. Oh, that's great because the last couple of times he's been a bit there. Mm. And he goes, mate, I just need to tell you something. He said, oh, I'm really happy where I'm at the moment. So that's great. He said, because after 40 odd years of whatever, I figured that I'm gay. Cool. And I went, yep. He goes, well, I knew you'd understand, except, of course, yeah, mate, I love you. We're friends. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm not. Who do you sound this happy? He said, I haven't been happy for 10 years. I didn't know what it was. He said, and then the other uh, couple of weeks ago, I found out. And I realised. And he said, so, and everyone, like, his ex-wife knows, his daughter knows. All good. Yeah. Which was great. And then I had someone come and see me and talk personally about an issue that they've dealt with for 15 or 20 years and wanted to make it known to me because we're friends and wanted no secrets between us because yeah. I think his words were, I sense your clock is ticking a bit quicker than you're letting on mm. and I didn't want anything about me unknown to you because I know everything about you. Mm. I went, yep. And so he, he went on and told me and I was like, Yep, I'm with you. I love you, mate. <laughs> and, and he knew that, but he just wanted to make sure mm. that I knew. Mm. And I'm like, well, I'm here to support you 100%. You know that. He goes, yeah, I knew that. Mm. I just needed to tell you and I wanted you to know. Look, we shed a tear. Yeah. It was great. It was a wonderful moment. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad he did what he did. Yeah, it's hard. For his sake. Yeah. Do you ever find... Because I've heard you say before, you know, there's a bit of sometimes people feel that they can't tell you stuff that's going on with them because of what's going on with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess lots of people feel that way to different degrees, but obviously yeah. you've got a big thing going on with you. Although it's so, I, I imagine it's on, it's so constant in some ways it's nothing. In, like, I mean, it's everything and nothing to you in some ways because it just is what it is. Is that right? It's what I deal with day, every day. And I'm... Honestly, I look in the mirror every day. Once I get out the shower, I have a look and go, is today the day when that final downward spiral mm. is going to start? And it's a horrible way to live, to be honest, to start your day. Of course. But I, I can't help but do that just to go, okay, mate, let's see what happens today. Cross your fingers. And, and I know one of these days, the answer to that's going to be yes. Mm. I just don't know what day it is and I don't know in what form that's going to take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is difficult. But I respect what other people are going through. Mm. And, you know, when people go, oh, when I go, how are you going? Oh, yeah, something going on, but it's nothing like compared to you. And I go, no, come on. Mm. Don't say that. You know, it, it'll be, it's different, probably, mm. but it's still an issue to you. And therefore, I'm concerned for you and I'm worried for you. And if I can help you. And they go, you don't need to worry about helping me when you've got your what's going on. I went, yeah, look, I probably can't help much other than just be a voice or an ear. Yeah. Because I physically can't get to help you, or I financially can't help you, or I, but you know maybe, maybe emotionally I can, you know. Yeah, um, I think that's really important though to be able to just sometimes just being able to listen to someone, you know, and being able to just let them know that you. I mean, this is sound like psycho babble a bit, but to just to be heard, I think sometimes just helps so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, and I I learned that a lot from you. I learned again when, when you know back in those philosophies that I was first listening before we knew each other about you were you were saying how much you respected the fact that Will never told you what to do. He just listened to you. Nah. And I nah. try 
to take that advice always you know what I mean if if somebody's telling me something or if somebody's in a state that I can't do anything to fix you know what I mean I, I physically can't you're right I mean it's not it's not obviously my my physical restrictions are not yours but there's sometimes there's nothing anybody can do you no, that's right. Um, my I, my wife says, "Can I do it?" And I go, "No, you can't." Yeah. And my wife can't do anything to help me. No one else can. Yeah. I go, "No, you can't." Or I go, "Yes, you can." I'm going to have a shower. I'll need you to come and dry my legs and my feet. I can't bend over. Mm. But you put my pants on, my socks on, and my shoes. Oh. Um, I don't wear shoes. My socks. <laughs> <laughs> or if I'm going out, I wear shoes. And you know, so those are those sort of things. But when I'm feeling sick and the pain's a bit too much, and I just she walks in from work and I'm laying on the bed, she goes. Can I do anything? No, you can't. Yeah. I, the pain's bad. I can take another tablet to try to do that or I'll take this. But if that doesn't work, I'm just going to lay here and hope it goes away. Yeah. Um, and when you mentioned the thing about listening, I think Will Anderson was brilliant with that. He listened to everything I said and built his next question off that rather than have a, a list of questions that he wanted to ask me, which yeah. which was wonderful. You know. And when we finished that first time that I done philosophy it was the first time we met in person and we mm. chatted and when we were leaving he put his hand on my shoulder and he said if there's any thing I could do let me know and he said because I'm here for you mate mm. and if there's never been a true word spoken he has been I'll tell you that mm. we communicate weekly text messages whatnot he's had a rough time himself we chat about it but he's always there. He always replies. He always checks in. He always asks him anything he can do. You know, when he was here for the comedy festival, he I went to see his show and then um, we chatted afterwards. And he goes, and I was feeling it because it was a bit late. And I said, man, I'm so sorry, but I've really got to get, you know, my legs are killing me. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And then he messaged me from the morning and say, hey, if you're up for it, yeah, can we just go and have an hour or two together just chatting, you know? Mm. I thought, well, during the, such a busy time he was doing. Mm. And then um, he said, I'll come out to you. I said, mate, I'm out packing. I'm too far away from the city from where you are. And, and look, you know, I don't mind through the day. I can drive and whatnot. How about I meet you somewhere near the comedy theatre? There was a Starbucks, I think it was. And we met and went in there. And I, he said, I could have come to you. I said, no. Nah, the thing that I worry about that is what happens if you were then about to drive home and there was a crash on the Monash and you couldn't get through mm. and you had to cancel your show? Mm. How good would I feel? And I said, especially if they found out it was me that caused it. <laughs> They'd all come after me. <laughs> and I said, you know, so I really didn't want to take that and go, oh, thank you, I appreciate that. Mm. And then this is the sort of person Will Anderson is, right, okay? He got called the night before we were going to catch up by Triple M to say, hey, while you're here in town, is there any chance you can fill in in the morning from 9 till 11? Mm. And his answer was no. I can do 9 till 10. Because right. he was meeting me at 11. Uh-huh. And they said, oh, no, we need to from the 9 to 11. He goes, 9 to 10. Otherwise, of course, you're not going to say no to Will Anderson, you know. They're like, oh, okay, well, we'll fill the other hour somehow. And I got there and said, man, you could have just contacted me and said, you had to do this. And he goes, I wanted to see you. I wanted to spend time with you. I said I would. And I harked back and I said, you told me years ago. You're here for me. Yeah. You've just proven that yet again. Mm. And that's 
that's a guy who's super busy because he said, after this, I've got a meeting to do with that, got another meeting with that. Yeah. Then he said, I'll have an hour off, probably grab something to eat, then do the show. I was like, you know, I've cost you two hours of your day. You could have, he goes, mate, I said, if you need me, I'm here for you. Yeah. Well, he's proven it. I mean, I've got friends I haven't seen for four or five years who won't make the one hour drive up here because it's too far. I get that. Mm. Yet, Will Anderson, yeah. you know, and when you're talking about listening, I, I was a guest on a podcast recently, the Why Am I podcast. Yep. Um, by the name of Greg Soul, uh, based in the US in Chicago. I, I, he contacted me because we have a friend who was on his show, uh, the wonderful Catherine King. She does the sign language interpreting for Adam Hills in the UK. Oh, is that her? Okay, right here. That's Catherine. So yeah. obviously, when we done Clown Heart over there, she signed. Mm-hmm. So she was a guest on the show, and I saw that. And she then said to him, hey, I think you should chat to Coombsy. And he just messaged me, and we, whatever. I enjoyed doing his podcast because that point that he he listened so much, mm-hmm. and he really listened. And his questioning was a little bit different to the ones I normally have. Mm-hmm. And he sort of, you know, explored a bit more. That's why on a post I said to my friends, even though a lot of you heard the story, I get it. Yep, you're probably sick of it. This one's a little bit different. Yeah. There's two parts to it. One was a fancy, rest- fancy, fantasy restaurant where I could just order whatever meal I want. This was the icebreaker. And it was yeah. really good fun just yeah. picking whatever I want and explaining to this American dude what a mudgy mud was which, you know, <laughs> and, and what man salad is. And, you know, that was pretty cool. And then I find out that, you know, because he said to me, you know, what are you, who are you? I said, well, I... I class myself as a comedy lover, comedy loving, theatre loving, music loving, budding magician. I love that. So he he went through all those things yeah. in the show. Yeah. And then when he said, "Well, I'll tell you, guess what? I'm into magic. I love magic. I've got this great trick. I'll show you afterwards." <laughs> and when we finished the chat, we done a Zoom chat. He did show me the trick. Oh, did he? <laughs> and then he showed me how it worked. And I'm like, okay, so. I've got a new one that I've learned that I'm going to video today and send to him to go, hey, I learned this one. Here's how you do it. And it's simple. And our love for magic, again, is just a different sort of reason as to why I started it to why he started it. But it sort of brings it together. And every day I'm looking at tricks and things like, can I do this? Do we, you know, and because I'm not very dexterous and a lot of people, when I laugh when I can do magic and they're not laughing now when I do tricks and they all go, how did you do that? How did you, how did you do that? And I'm going, yeah. Even I tried the one that I'm going to show Greg to my wife the other night. And he was just like, yeah. I said, yeah. <laughs> you don't know, do you? She said, no. I don't know how you did that. Impossible. Well done. And I thought, gee whiz, for her to say, well done, that's pretty good. Um, so I think that was most my friends. But the listening side of things, I think the philosophy pod, I'm sure everybody's probably heard, if you haven't, and you want to go and have a listen, look up Will Anderson Philosophy. Yeah. And I, I do a couple of episodes there that are pretty heavy at times. Uh, and then one called Why Am I Pod yeah. by Greg Soul. And um, it's a, one's really light and one's a little bit of everything. Um, mm. But I think if I had to classify great listeners, mm. I would put Will Anderson and Greg Soul up there with Adam Hills. You know, it's so interesting. Uh, you talk about podcasts too because I teach podcasting here and I, there's a textbook that a friend of mine has written. She's an amazing podcaster, Siobhan McHugh, but she also um, 
she also has written a book called The Power of Podcasting. And she talks about this, and I put it for my students, she calls it aerobic listening. And she wow. says, because when you're doing a podcast, if you're really listening to somebody, when it's finished, you should feel like you've done an aerobic session, like you should feel exhausted <laughs> in a good way. Hey, but oh, like, yep, I agree. <laughs> yeah, no, I do too, you know, and it's funny yep. because when we do interviews, and I mean, I'm doing a bunch of interviews with a colleague here for another project we're doing, and we, sometimes we'll do five or six in a day. I'm like, and he's Kingos. like, are we ready to go again? I'm like, no, I need a lie down. Are you kidding? Oh, I need a lie down because it is. It's five that. or six a day. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, it's because, you know, they're on camera wow. and everything. You don't want to set, you know, wow. it's you know, you got to set things up and blah, 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 and all of it. And they're, you know, but it is, I really think in the best wow. way, in the <laughs> very best way, it is exhausting. You know what I mean? <laughs> really listening yeah, yeah, to Yeah, it takes its toll on you. Yeah. yeah, but also too, as you know, because you're, when you're listening to someone, you do want to know how to respond. And if, you, if you're doing an interview, it's different again, because usually somebody's agreed because they've either got something to plug or because, you know, there's a specific reason to be talking. So you've got to have an idea of what you want to ask them. You don't want to waste their time, but you do want to listen to what they've said, you know, and if they answer well, question five in the first one, you can't yeah. be then going back and backtracking, you know? Yeah. Well, I was surprised when I got the message from Will Anderson asking me to be a guest on his show. Right. And when I looked at all the guests, when you go and look at all the guests, they're all well-known comedians mm. they are well-known political figures they are they're all absolutely you know celebrities that people know everybody would know everybody on that thing he was doing his 100th episode and he even says like he wanted to do something special for his 100th he thought he'd like to do something a little bit different yeah. and he thought my story because there is a link you know with adam hills yeah um that it would make great listening and i've the amount of messages I got from people and friends, and I got a couple of people who have become friends from listening to the podcast and getting in touch. Oh yeah, one I always say to Will, right, I said, "One of them's right here," <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. And I tell Will that, yeah. as like you know, that's the gift that the podcast gave me. It's given me friends, like real, like not just people you acquaint with and drop message to, people who I would now say are my friends, are my proper real friends, me too. and that I've met. Yeah, me too. And that I met. Yeah. And I think that's pretty amazing, especially when they live in the state. You know? <laughs> well, we appreciate. I mean, it was interesting because listening to you, and like I said, I'd seen you on Hillsy's show. I'd seen Clownheart. So I'd seen, mm. I knew of you. And then when hearing the rest of your story and hearing, it wasn't, the, I think we'd followed each other on, or I'd certainly followed you on Twitter for the first one, but it was yeah. the second time you came back. And it was yeah. that, you know, when you were talking, it was quite a dark place, but you were being quite honest about how you felt and, you know, the whole um, 68, 68 rules for voluntary dying yeah. and the 69th just for comedic value, you know, all of that stuff. That's what Will Anderson wanted, <laughs> the Anderson clause. 69 for comedic uh, But all of that, like, I just, geez. I remember we started messaging then, just saying, yep. you know, and I, 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 just saying I appreciated you and I trusted you. And just having little check-ins about all manner of things, you know, that you're right. You, I think you can't, I mean, I've always felt listened to by you, you know, <laughs> in a way that, you know, you, sometimes the people that you've known for 100 years don't have time or think they know the yep. story or whatever, whatever, yep. you know. It's interesting, isn't it? And I, I think Will Anderson taught me a wonderful lesson and he always closes his messages with it where he says, 
I appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, he said, you know, if we can take that attitude to, you know, you order your coffee and you say, oh, thank you. I appreciate what you've done. You know, you made me a coffee. Yeah. And people go, it's just my job. Yeah, but I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice, oh, you get a nice feeling when someone says, I appreciate you. That's true. Um, yeah. And I, I, I tell you, the, uh, the, the time I uh, saw Will do his show, not last year, the year before, and I went round the stage door just to see him and I was really battling and I was just literally said, oh, mate, i got one minute. I'm so sorry. Mm. I'm just really, really struggling here physically. I don't feel well. And when that hits, it hits pretty hard and pretty quick. Mm. And he said, totally understand. He gave me a hug. Mm. And he said, I appreciate you. I said, I appreciate you, mate. And we let go, walked about three or four steps. We turned around to Coombsy, and I was, was still looking. Yeah. He said, by the way, mate, I love you. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Gets me now. Yeah. <clears throat> and I thought, um, oh, that's how <sighs> three little words and it's still making me emotional right now yeah. that he said to me and that I felt that he was he was genuine. Yeah. And um, don't forget how powerful those three little words can be if you use them the right way. Yeah. It's interesting too, isn't it? Because I, um, I mean, you appreciate... I, I do with my kids a lot. I appreciate you put that away. I appreciate you. Put, sometimes you've got to be careful. Oh, I have good. to be careful not to use it in a passive aggressive way. I would appreciate if yep. you put your clothes away. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but when you talk about telling somebody you love them, it's funny because mm. when I, when I met my husband and you know, we, I always say, I, I always say, I love you always to my family, my immediate family. Yep. I try and do it more to my friends now too. <clears throat> And when, you know, my husband and I, because, you know, that thing that you do when you're first going out with somebody and the first time you say it and what it means and everything, <laughs> you know, yep. and I'd said to him, I say it a lot, not because he was like, oh, look, I'm not the type of person to give it away. And I'm like, but I never want you to not know. I said, yeah, I yeah, say yeah. it a lot because I never want you to not know. And yeah. I never want, and same with the kids. I never, and I used to do it with my dad too. I know, I know the last thing I said to him was I love him because we didn't yeah, know we were going to lose yeah. him. But we, but it was my, I would always say to it, say it to him. So I know it's the last thing I said to him. And I try, yeah. I sort of feel like, yeah, you've got to be careful that it doesn't, that it still means something. You don't want to just yeah. rattle it off and have it be meaningless. Have has it, yeah. That's it. No, that's right. I, I won't say it unless I mean it. Yeah, but also. I don't, I don't think it's, I just think it's unfair to say to someone, oh, I love you, you know, give them this warm fuzzy when you're like, yeah, I just said it because they said it or, yeah. you know, no, it won't do that. Yeah, oh, but also, I mean, it's such an, it's a word that covers so many things, doesn't it? I mean, I love ice cream. Oh, I love, you know. <laughs> totally agree. It, it can be contextualised so many different ways, isn't it? But yeah. I don't think there's much more power than uh, when a friend, more so than family members, you know, you sort of think everyone has that. Yeah. obligation to love um, <laughs> which I know that doesn't happen in a lot of families I get that yeah. and I feel for those who don't have that love I really do yeah, me too. but for a friend to actually say it out loud mm. in your presence is really powerful there were people around 
when Will said that. People heard that. There's, and that, again, you know, I saw a couple of people like, they must be good friends. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I could see someone sort of mouth that to their other friend. Yeah. And I was like, felt like saying, well, yeah, I think we are. Yeah. I think we are because Will, you know, speaks to me about the things that are happening in his life and and I appreciate that. And yeah. we have a connection with football as well, so we talk about that. <laughs> um, yeah, well. Yeah. It's and a, all because of Reuben. <laughs> yeah, all because of Reuben. Well, I like, we started talking about love. <laughs> well, but it is, it's funny too, isn't Well, it? we love Reuben. We love Reuben. But also it's for, so... To, for very different reasons. Well, yeah, but it's a vulnerability the, too. If you say you love someone... Yeah, yeah, you're leaving it out there. You are, aren't you? Yep. And the very yep. worst thing is if it can be, if it's not returned or if it's disrespected or something like that, I think. Yeah, yeah. But I think, uh, harking back to how we started with Ruben, mm. you're saying how it can be used in different ways and different meanings. I think with Ruben, there's love for lots of different things with Ruben. Yeah. Where I think, you know, that, you know, I certainly have no problem saying I love Ruben K. Yeah. And... For this reason, for that reason, for that reason. And some people love him for one reason. Um, but he has a multitude of loves as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think so too. I mean, I, I agree with your friend. I think he's a beautiful looking man, but I love, I, <laughs> I, you know. I, 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 I think I actually told, I I, I was, I remember saying to her, oh, I've got to tell him that. And she's like, I don't care. <laughs> no. I messaged him and said, hey, you know our friend that you met that time? She said, she would did to take you over there and jump your bones in a heartbeat. <laughs> and he laughed. And he laughed. And he yeah. and um I oh, like she was fair income. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, but it's funny, isn't it? Because he, oh, it's almost a bit overwhelming. You know, I think I would just like to sit and look at him. He's a bit like Harry Styles. I'd, I'd just like to sit. And, <laughs> I'd like to have a cup of tea with him. Oh, oh. But I don't. Oh, would, I, wouldn't I, you love to just sit down with him? And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, which reminds me, Kuzi, there's a new there's a new Harry vi- video that's come out this yeah, it's morning. Yes, all night or something like that. Is and, it called? Cool? Uh, daylight. It's daylight. Daylight. So close. Oh yeah, you even agree. I knew that. Yeah, yeah. I saw part of the clip this morning. Uh, well, have a look and see. He's in it, riding on a horse. He's in a on a horse. Skeleton he, suit. He is. He looks like he's in a weird drag. See, I know. Big, a big bird situation. It's crazy. And what's so funny I is saw because it this morning I yeah, thought of you. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, that that red big that sorry yellow big bird thing. There's been pictures of that on the internet for the better part of a year, longer actually, because oh. bits were sneaked out before the album came out. So now oh. the Harrys are losing their minds, and I was one of them. Uh, <laughs> My well, little as girl. soon as that, I, you know, you had that thing, a guilt by association, but yeah. um, you know, association yeah. thing that's it's a teaching and marketing where you have a mindset, you know, product mindset when you yeah, yeah. when you say carbonated cola drink, <laughs> most people go Coke and some go Pepsi, you know. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So whatever the association is, when I hear Harry Styles, <laughs> I think of Dr. Liz Jouffre. <laughs> Thank you. I straight away, the first thing I thought about, and I thought, oh, she's going to be happy to be I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was right. Thank you, Harry. He'd be listening, by the way. So send a thank you to Harry Styles. I'm sure you're listening, Harry. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you've got I'm, time for this. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to contact him and let him know to listen there because he's got a shout-out. So <laughs> Harry Styles, thank you for the help of the, the therapy you give. Uh, you do, <laughs> Yes, I appreciate you, Harry. 
I appreciate you there a lot. There you go. Well, you know, it's funny. I've got some, some friends of mine. We have a little Harry chat, and we do. We just send pictures <laughs> of Harry in random. I've got a friend that reckons he's dressing up like licorice all sorts, like a different licorice all sort every gig he does because <laughs> of weird and wonderful colours. And it's just, oh. it's happiness. You know what I mean? It I, is. I happiness just think, is colour. Yeah, it's colour, it's joy, it's theatre. This is the other thing too, and I guess to bring back to Ruben as well, I love how... Yep unashamedly he's like let's have a show here let's make yeah. an effort you know what i mean the yeah. lashes oh big, geez, yeah. you know i just think wow somebody's and had fun in it you know part of me looks at, looks at those heels and thinks oh god what pain but if he's enjoying himself mm. i love it i love it you do know? you know the story behind his lashes no it's a rather sad heartbreaking mm. story okay are you okay to tell it, or, or should we leave it? What do you think? <clears throat> no, he tells it. Okay. He tells the story. Okay. It's it's known when he was 15, I think, at school, mm. and there was a boy that he was keen on. Right. And he thought that boy was keen on him. Right. And the approach was made, close by, and he thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I'll close my eyes, and I'm going to get a kiss, and dead, and he got a punch. And then he got the suitcase beaten out of him. Oh. He was taken to hospital oh my God. and was in a bad way. And his mother was with him and he wanted to see what he looked like. And she said, no, 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 you don't need to see. Right. And he said, give me a little mirror that you had. I want to see. And he looked up and one eye was swollen and black and whatnot. So he then decided to take ownership of it, didn't he? Wow. Make the other one bold and black. So they look the same. And he's done that ever since. Wow. To take ownership of what happened to him. Oh, my goodness. He, he said earlier in that day, you know, he turned up to school and there was a whole, as he walked in the gate, there was a line up of guys both sides of the gate. And he, and his first thought was, oh, they're... That's nice of them. <laughs> they were laying down the red carpet. Yeah. And he said, then they just started chanting homophobic things at him. Oh, my God. And straight away, his mind went, well, they must have rehearsed. So <laughs> <laughs> he's like, now, if you're going to take a moment of absolute pain and absolute disgust, but turn it around and make us laugh and go, ooh, and he said, and then, you know, later on it led to what it did. Yeah. <laughs> His thought was, <laughs> and Hilsey always said, and part of the reason why he formed a friendship with me and we done clan heart, he said, you know, if you make a joke about something that's, that's, that's pretty bad, it can take it, give you ownership. Yeah. Um, another another great friend of mine, comedian, one of my favourites, John Burgos, absolute superstar. Johnny, love him, love mm. him to death. Great friends. He also mentioned that when he had a mate who was had a costume bag, he said he went to see him and he was like, "I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm a comedian." Yeah. And he said he he done the joke, so you know, nice nice bag. You can choose to match it. You know, pretty hard <laughs> to find the right colour. <laughs> and he said, "I done all the jokes." Yeah. And he said, "The reason you do all the jokes." Because a bad situation, you want to make it a little less bad yeah. by making it able to cope with and and, and whatnot. And Johnny's he's great with doing. He tells he tells that joke on stage, and he, he does that with me at times. He'll make things when he sees that I need 
Yeah. You know, John Burgess is one of these guys who sees what needs to happen. Mm. If, you know, we're in a Facebook thing, you know, it's a bit here, he sometimes will jump in with a comment that lightens things up a bit. Yeah. He really reads the room so well where he'll say something. And he always says to me, I remember the first time they goes, hey, mate, if I go to step the lawn here, you just tell me, right? I went, John, it was funny. <laughs> he said, yeah, but I'm worried about what other people look and they don't understand our friendship. I said, bad luck. Um, I'm sure they'll contact me if it really offends them and then I'll be able to say, hey, look, this guy's a great friend of mine. This is the understanding we have yeah. and I'm okay with it. So if I'm okay with it, then it's okay. Yeah. And that's that's why I said to John, so occasionally, you know, when something's getting a little bit heavy, Johnny will jump in and say something. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, that is funny. Because I did have a, when Nilly me back with six months when I had um, three quarters of my bowel removed through diverticulitis and you know, I, I wasn't into comedy or that back then, but I wish I was because I would have, you know, I say, you know what the worst thing about this bag is? You can't find the right coloured shoes to match it. <laughs> yeah, all, all those things. And and John does a great, I'm sorry, John, if you're listening, telling your jokes, but anyway, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And he says, he said to my mate, he said about his mate, they had the, the colostomy. They, he was telling all these jokes, he was laughing. He was laughing so hard, he laughed his, oh, <laughs> you bum off <laughs> you know he goes well well you know and he said but he got it he said Spade if you liked it so much you would have put a ring on it <laughs> uh, well done John Burgos oh. for uh, lightening up the room <laughs> yeah. you were doing this with your mum too you didn't even oh, know yeah, you've yeah, been yeah. a comedian without being oh. a comedian forever I didn't think of that. I just used to tease mum. Yeah, but you do. <laughs> I thought it was funny, and it was. Well, okay, yep. You... I've never thought of this. How crazy is that? But you know what? Never it thought makes... that I was doing that yeah. for me to lighten it up. But also, you know what? It, I think it does, and comedy the right way because you got that that fine line between laughing with somebody and laughing at them. Absolutely, and, and absolutely. And I'm even line. trying to teach my little one that at the moment because you know, yep. biggest fear is to be laughed at. But, and I'm like, yep. well, if you're laughing yep. too, then they're not laughing at you because you're in on yep. it. But then I also yep. remember what Hannah Gatsby says about you shouldn't have to put yourself down and be the butt of the joke if you don't want to be. Where is the power? Correct. You know, yeah. um, but... You it, hold that power. You do, but it's the humanity of it. Like, I think if you can have yep. a joke with somebody, not at them, but with them, you're giving mm. them humanity. You know what I mean? You're giving them... Just something that can't be given any other way, I think. You know what I mean? Ironic you should bring that up <laughs> because that happened with Hilsey and me. We, we were doing a gig at the uh, – oh, sorry. My mates are always going, oh, drop another name or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, um, do it, At do the it. Sydney Opera House. Yeah. Fair venue. Yeah. Anyway, we have got in there the day before and I was in the – we were in the hotel that you could see the Opera House from home. Looking through the window, thinking, I can't believe I'm going to be on there tonight. And I'm not. <laughs> anyway, get a message from Hillsy going, Can you look out your window and see all the chaos going on at the Opera House? I looked out the window and thought, Oh, my, mm. what's going on? He said, They've found a suspicious object inside the Opera House. Mm. So the police are cordoning everything off, getting people out of the area. Yep. He said, The show might not be on tonight. I went, What? <laughs> He goes, we don't know. This was in the morning. And then all, I'm getting messages from people going, hey, Coombsy, there's a thing going on at the Opera House. Are you aware of it? And I go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, you know. And it was not until late in the day that they, they got in, they found it with a backpack. Mm. 
um, there was nothing in it, no bomb in it, and we were told we were to go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, Hilsey announces himself coming on the stage, but he he was really funny. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. Actually, if you think I'm going to stand in a spotlight tonight, you got another thing coming. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Hills. And he walked out and he'd done a bit about, gee, you know, like we thought it was a terror threat, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Anyway. I the bit when I come on. That, oh. That's the gig I was well, at. Be. But anyway, sorry, when uh, you come on. Oh. Well, yeah, well, you probably remember what happened. When I come on, uh, you know, we've normally got a scripted bit where Hilsey welcomes me on and we just take it a blah, blah, and then I go into my joke. Hilsey said something and I replied to him mm. and he was like, it's Sunday, it's not Sunday, because of my croaky voice. I said, oh, I didn't say that. And I said, yeah, you're having a go at me. I said, you've only got one. Okay, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I stopped. <laughs> I was going to say about the one leg. Yeah. But, you know, everyone knows and he makes jokes of it. Yeah. And then I said, mate, I'm serious, I was, I've been fighting this illness for a few years and I thought, if some bloke's just going to go and blow the joint up, I'm not happy because I wanted to go on my terms and Hilsey was peddling himself when I said that. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, hang on, I've gone off script here. And then I said something else about, you know, I, I want to control this situation. I mean, I don't want some random bloke pushing a button and killing it, you know. <laughs> Jeez. And I said, I'm not dressed for it anyway. <laughs> and um, we finished... We done the bit, blah blah. Finished. We're walking underneath the opera house like a rabbit hole to get to your, mm. your change rooms, and we just got our dressing gowns on. He put his arm around my shoulder, and he said, "Mate, that was fantastic tonight." He said, "I think you came of age as a comedian tonight because you went off what you normally do." We had a go at each other. We both laughed because yeah. we knew what we were talking about. Yeah. He said, "Your bits were funny, off the cuff, not rehearsed." It was clear that you were just saying him then. He said, I honestly think you've gained your own credibility as a comedian. Oh, wow. And he had his arm around me and walking in. And I went into, we had change rooms there. I went into mine that, you know, had this beautiful big grand piano and the biggest change room I've been in my life. And I just sat thinking, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Two wow moments in my life where I remember thinking when I, because I, didn't think I, you know, I never called myself a comedian because I, but Hildy said I was, and then at Adelaide Festival Centre, which we first met Ruben, mm. um, we'd just done a sound check that day, and we walked out, and Barry Humphreys was walking out, yeah. and Hildy introduced, it was his manager and and him, and oh, hello, oh, hello, Adam, hello, hello, this is Craig, yep, yep. and he'd sort of sent Clan Hart mm. in Melbourne, and it's the other validation that I got from him, this was before the Opera House one, that he said, young man, your jokes are as brave as they are funny. Uh -huh. And I remember Hilsey going, never forget that. That is one of the biggest compliments you will ever receive yeah. from a doyen of comedy in this country. Yeah. And they were the two moments that I remember thinking, okay, well, maybe I'm a part-time little bit every now and again comedian. <laughs> um, but we laughed, you know, the point is that me and Hilsey laughed at each other's problem mm. and we made it funny and we both accepted it on each other's behalf because we knew we could yeah. we knew we could go there because you know well he'd been going there with me for a while I'd never gone back at him so to speak <laughs> um, and that was that was the first time which 
made me sort of feel when he said what he did that he was proud of. Yeah. Because he was the one who sort of said he he, he brought this thing in me out, mm. which it was. It was him who encouraged me to do some comedy about cancer. Mm. You know, originally it was a five-minute little open mic spot somewhere, mm. and then it turned out to becoming, you know, a huge event at the Comics Lounge, and I'd done a 30-minute set. And then after that, he was like, mate, you're on your way. You're right. <laughs> and then and then Clan Heart was born. And off we went. Incredible. What a wonderful thing. Absolutely. All out of adversity. All out of adversity. And that was, you know, primarily talking about how he was talking to his kids about sickness and death because he lost his dad. Mm. So it was explaining to them. And then how we met and explaining how I'm handling it mm. in a different way to what most people handle it. So Yeah. I think that's so great, though, isn't it? But again, I, I think back to those stories with your mum too. You know, knocking her leg and yep. saying she can't feel it, and, and giving her. Mm-hmm. I know you're saying you're giving her crap, but really, what you're doing is saying you're still my mum. You're not. Yeah, yeah. You're not any of this yep. other stuff. I mean, I I'm not pretending yep. it's not there. I'm not pretending it's not no, real, no. but it's not no. the most important bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's yep. funny comedy, and I'm aware that we're over an hour here, darling. So I'll get let you go oh, in good. a minute, but. When yep. I, I've written about comedy and even just trying to understand how it works, you know, and the big one, yep. Tim Ferguson's written a great book called The Cheeky Monkey, which is the textbook for how to I, do comedy. And he does this I thing. I think where, I have that. Oh, it's so good. And if you get a chance. I think to, I've got it somewhere. Oh, <laughs> and, and he does workshops and stuff too. And I've done his workshops and I'm a massive okay. Doug Anthony All-Stars fan. So he, you know, being uh, able to meet him, let alone do a workshop was my kind of big wow. thing. But he was yep. like, you know, the, he's got seven principles for, com- or ten, sorry, ten principles for comedy, which he'll always say, yep. I guarantee you all jokes fall into one of these ten. And if they don't, okay there's a million bucks in it for you, but he's right. Or if you have to boil it down to just one, it's like you make the important trivial and the trivial important. Like that's the thing, you know. Yep. And it's it's so right because it's, I mean, you've got to be careful because you've also got to always, you never punch down, you always punch up. No, no, no. You know, it's where it's landing and why, where it's coming from. But I just think of that, you know what I mean? The important bit is not that somebody's in a wheelchair. It's that they're, that you're still able to make fun of them or <laughs> something, you know what I mean? Because yep. they're your mum, you know what I mean? Because right. they are so comfortable to you and so important to you. And, you know, yep. I mean, I'll, I'll do that. With, I'll try and do that with my kids, you know. I'll try and, if they're giving me, you know, whatever, if I'm stressed out or I'm not sure how to cope with something, we go to be silly because this is a really important moment that we've got yep. to take the tension out of, you know what I mean? Like yep. it's great, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, such a gift, I think. Comedy such a gift, yeah. you know. We, we should talk to a comedian, have a, yeah. a third wheel on with us and have a good chat to a, a lifelong comedian who's not in it like me through an illness, who's just a, a comedian. That, to see their side from from the stage, how they feel. It's two ways because how they feel and how what they're feeling from the audience. So. Yeah. No, we should, well, that, we should find we should find someone. All right, well let's let's have a think about it. I'll hit I'll stop recording in a minute cool. and let's and let's have a, let's have a think about that. Cool. But, uh, but thank you as always. Thanks, too. It's I've, been good fun. It has, and I appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate you too. Yeah, I'll speak to you soon, darling. Thank you so much. Thanks, Luke. Bye. Bye. Bye.